This is so much shower content. I'm Gabby Love Dunn. To shower. <laughs> I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, a bicon, bisexual icon, and I was the uh, shooting forward, second, what is it called? Second forward for the David Posnack Hebrew Day School Rams basketball team. Cool. Ladies basketball team. Shooting, shooting guard. Did you know what it was called while you were doing it? Yes, I did. You've just forgotten. Yeah, I had like a panic because the music was ending. But yeah, I was the the I was not good. Yeah, but I was this. Sh- I played all four years, and nobody ever said you're not good on varsity. Yeah, like I well, first of all, the school had like, I mean, there were like thirty five kids in my grade, so everyone was on varsity. <laughs> we played against another Orthodox high school where they wore skirts as their basketball uniform, so it wasn't like a you know it wasn't like a high bar. I was a true athlete. You were tennis, tennis yeah. star. I was a four-year for real varsity tennis athlete. And look at me, I've thrown it all away. But your knee your knee failed you. It did. And now you went into entertainment. And that's failing me as well. Do you think if your knee hadn't failed you, you'd be a huge tennis star? No, because I went to boarding school. And when I went to boarding school, I couldn't train year-round. Nothing that you've ever said to me is relatable to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> look, I was training year-round at regular school. And then at boarding school, I couldn't train year-round. No one feels bad for you. I could have been D3. Nobody. Do you understand the, that combination of sentences is so unreal? Oh, and you don't say fucking insane <laughs> things? <laughs> Welcome to Just Between Us, a podcast about brutal honesty. Female friendship. And completely unsolicited advice. We have some exciting news other than our past athletic feats. Oh, yes. We've also done literary feats as well. Our new book, Please Send Help, is available everywhere July 16th. It's an epistolary novel. We wrote it together. It's about female friendship. It's about the pangs of being in your early 20s. It's a follow-up to our New York Times bestseller, I Hate Everyone But You. There's a twist, some twists and turns that I'm really excited for you guys to read. If you could just buy it, you don't need to read it. We also have merch on podswag.com slash between us. We made really cute hypotheticals pins that I'm obsessed with. And we also have um, mugs and uh, they make us seem like we are lawyers and we are giving you good relationship advice. That's all my dad ever wanted from me was to (laughs) seem like a lawyer. Just kidding. He put zero pressure on me and what to do with my career. My parents told me don't be a lawyer. Yeah, I think now he would tell people not to be a lawyer. Yeah, my mom hated it. It seems awful. Not to, like, if you're in law school, sorry, but, like, both of our parents are lawyers no, and they both don't like it. it. My dad loves it. Oh, really? My mom's, like, meh, meh on, well, middle, middling on it. He likes it, but it's too all-consuming. It's too stressful, and he's never not working. It'll yeah. be, like, 10 p.m. on a Saturday, and he'll have to do a conference call. I mean, that's kind of – how is that different from our lives? Are you joking? My dad <laughs> works so much harder than you. Like, I can't even put you in the same – like, the fact that you are so delusional that you think you I'm work saying, half as hard as my dad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we don't have office hours either. That wasn't saying we work as hard. I'm saying we also, like, have to do things at weird hours. I don't hours. know. I pretty much observe office hours. Really? Yeah. No one's asking me to do much. I I feel like there are people, like, when you're freelance, they're just like, so you can do 7 p.m.? And you're like, but, okay. For what? Anything. Calls. 
fucking meetings. 7 p.m. is still within the realm of office hours. No way. I'm feeling combative today. No way. This you is- think 7 p.m. is office hours? You're, you're. I think eight and after is not, but seven p.m. is is like because most people work until seven. We have a very exciting episode this week. We are asking Charlotte Loriston some tough questions, and later we'll be talking all about advice you'd give to your younger you. But first, we're going to answer a listener's question. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Reina, California. Oh, very exciting. That's a funny name because there's always a drought in California. (laughs) Did you actually like that? (laughs) Fuck off. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off. I sort of liked it, but I overdid my laugh. Fuck off. You're (laughs) really fucking trying me. I know. I feel, I think, um, I don't know. I feel like irritable. (laughs) (laughs) You said that so cutely. Like, I just feel irritable today felt irritable might delete later <laughs> might just delete this entire episode <laughs> later can you can you please just read the question okay here we go <laughs> Raina writes so last august i started dating a guy i met at my last job hard pass we'd only known each other about two months at that point a couple months into dating he said that he thought we wouldn't last long term because of issues with communication Essentially, every time he asked what I wanted in our relationship, I would freeze up. Like I was so afraid that what the two of us wanted not matching up that my brain put up a mental block to keep me from even knowing the answer. But even when I've had the answers to the idea of externalizing any kind of desire of being vulnerable, it kept me speechless. How do you get past being afraid of saying what you want in a relationship? And also, how do you deal with conflict aversion and fear of vulnerability? Um, well... I feel like, okay, and I don't want to talk about your life, but I will. I feel like okay. <laughs> I feel like you, um, for a while, were ashamed to say that you wanted to get married, so you tried not to, like, sa- say that to the guy when he would be like, what do you want from this? And you'd sort of be like, you wouldn't say that you. Are you joking? No one ever asked me what I wanted from it. Nobody, because they don't want to hear that answer. But they kind of knew that that's what you were going to say? I had one relationship where after months of being together, he was like, well, you never expressed this to me, but it's all you talk about on your (laughs) YouTube channel. So that makes me think it's what you want. Yeah. And I felt like, "Uh uh-oh, I've been caught. Were you like, yes, that is true? Or were you like, no? I think I did a mix of it, but I was lying. That's what I wanted. Right. Exactly. Um. Yes. And so going to dating this last round when I was last single, I very much was like, this is exactly what I want. I want it within this timeline. And if you're not in a place in your life where that adds up, then see ya. Yeah. And that's not for everyone. (laughs) Right. I think that like, it's interesting because on the one hand, I've always expressed what I want, despite what I just said, and like my fears and anxiety, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, and often to the detriment of the relationship. Like I would I would often say too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think sometimes it's hard to find the right balance. Because people are worried that they're going to scare them. Like this girl, you know, if, if he's like, what do you want from the relationship? And she says, I want to get married. Then her fear is he'll run off. But it sounds like he's going to run off because she's not saying anything. Right. So that's why you have to say something. Because uh, your answer can't be what you think they want to hear. It has to be your truth. And I think that you can say it with a caveat where you can say, ideally, this is what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but we're this age, we're at this mm-hmm. place. I, you know, like, to me, there's a really big difference between what 
what will happen and what your intentions are. Yeah. So my whole thing is always like, yeah, there's no way of guaranteeing that this thing is going to like last forever and we're going to die at 80 holding hands as we walk into the ocean. But <laughs> that's how couples die, right? <laughs> yep. Every couple has died that way. The ocean is littered with skeletons holding hands. <laughs> um, and they're all exactly 80, um, <laughs> which is way too young to that's do that. Sorry. My dad is like 73. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, and so I think – to say, like, that's my long-term goal, mm. I just wasted a lot of time on people who didn't want what I wanted. Yes, that's what I'm worried. That, like, I I think she's – she shouldn't – she should say something. But it seems like she – I think the issue is that there's this crippling fear for her, right? So it's like how do we get past that fear? And I think that first you have to to get a grasp of what it, where is the fear coming from? Are you unable to express what you want in all of your relationships, mm-hmm. like including like your family and your friends? Mm-hmm. And if and if that's the case, then I think that you really need to probably go to therapy and kind of examine what it is that makes you feel like what you want uh, isn't valid or yeah. will push people away and kind of like work through that. I'm, I'm assuming it's coming from a place of, of insecurity, which makes yeah. sense. We all battle that. And people are, are so afraid of rejection. I mean, the worst thing someone could say is just no. Which is, you know, really scary if you haven't had that many experiences. That's true. When you're younger, every rejection, every no is like, oh my God. But then you get to our age and you've had so many. It's like, <laughs> okay. Moving on. And we're not even that old. I think also if you can't um, like voice what you want or need in a relationship, if you can't communicate, you're not able to set boundaries. And that's really important. Like conflict aversion means that you probably don't set boundaries with uh, friends, with family, with people in your life because you just don't want to upset them. You don't want to like say what you want. Um, And you're – Allison's right. Like, what makes you think that what you want isn't important? Or what makes you think that, like, other people can can say what they want but you're not allowed to take up any space? And if this is only something that you're struggling with in your romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. then, again, it might just be a a larger issue of fear of rejection, insecurity, or it might be that you don't feel safe with this specific partner. That's true. So that's something that maybe you need to sit with. You know, like I think you think, oh, this is the guy. But if you're able to express what you want and need to literally everyone else in your life but the person that you're supposed to be the most emotionally intimate with, then maybe something is off there. Absolutely. And communication is huge. And sometimes it just doesn't match up. Like sometimes you're just speaking different languages and you can't – and it can't line up. And like a big sign of a relationship being good for me is where you just get it. You just get each other. Like you're just, you know what I mean? You're just able to, to, I mean, I love to chat. So you're just able to like express everything and they can express everything to you. And that's like huge for me. And also think about what kind of things someone could say to you that would make you just cut them out of your life. You know, what is the reality or like what are the chances that what you're going to say to him is just going to like ruin everything and crumble everything, Mm -hmm. especially if this guy is begging you to tell him something. I know. Like he's probably frustrated. At least try. Or you know what? Write Um, it down. Write it down. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Why don't you sit and write down? Because I just did this. I was upset at my ex-girlfriend and I was like, why am I mad? And I just sat and I wrote a list of why I'm upset. And then when friends have been like, what's, you know, what's wrong? I've been like, here's the list. Um, and so, <laughs> I can't like, wait to read it. I didn't send it to you? No. Oh, I'll send it to you. That's rude. It's a good one. So I think like write it down. And if that's your way of being able to get like not forget all the things you want to say. Or just give them what you wrote. 
That's you what know, I mean. If it's like, yeah, if it's yeah. really hard for you to vocalize it in the moment, you know, write them an email, write them a letter that they either read in front of you or or by themselves. Haiku. Um, but I really write a song. I really think that that you'll feel a lot of regret if you never tell this person what you think. And I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other that that means that you guys are going to stay together. Like who knows, relationships are crazy, but it'll be a stepping stone for you. And it's also called like exposure therapy yes, where you're forced to do therapy. the thing that you're really afraid to do and that's like a huge thing that's used in like cognitive behavioral therapy where it helps you to deal with those fears. And you can't have any expectations. Here's what the thing that I that I used to do is I would say, "Okay, I'm going to say this thing and then this is what they'll say back to me." But the important part is you just saying your thing. Yeah, you can't mind read. You cannot, and whatever they say back to you, you can't control that. You can't control that, and you can't predict it. And there's right. no point in trying to predict or guess what they're going to say. Or control it. Like, you can't dictate. Like, you can only control your side of it. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do, what you're going to do, and they can do what they're going to do, and that's their business. That's their business. And that's yeah, so their I would business. hand them a letter and then go, your reaction is your business, and then walk <laughs> away. Uh, yeah. I agree. But yeah, this sounds this sounds like a little bit more than your normal nerves. Mm-hmm. So I think that this, you know, is something you really need to explore p- potentially like with a professional. It's also fear of vulnerability is is really hard. It mm-hmm. is. It's really hard. I mean, I think like it, it's if you if you're young and you haven't done this a lot or whatever, like if you open yourself up to someone and they go no thank you, that's difficult. Because you're, like, showing them – you're, like, oh, here's all of me. And they're, like, not for me. But – A thing to keep in mind is so many people who you think are wonderful have done that and been told no thank you. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's about their reaction, which you can't control. So, like, but it's whatever also, they're going to do – It doesn't actually have anything to do with your worth or what you are showing that person. Exactly. It's just, like, for whatever reason, doesn't match up. And yeah. they're gonna, you're going to show yourself and be vulnerable with a ton of people who respond well to it. Exactly. Yeah, that like it just it just is a matter of of matching up. It's not a matter of what it says about you. There's no like good or bad to you. Yes. Unless you're a murderer? I guess so. What were the circumstances of the murder? Exactly. Life is gray. <laughs> Well, we hope that that really helped you, Raina. If you want to submit your international questions, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. We've got a juicy interview coming up next with our highly esteemed guest, Charlotte Lauriston. Just Between Us. Hey. Hi, everyone. Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books, and that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best 
new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself, but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before. So I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code JUSTBETWEENUS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code JUSTBETWEENUS for 10% off today. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions! Wow. Thank you. 
Um, okay, so our guest today is Sharla Lorison. Um, so Sharla actually uh, had the uh, distinguished honor of working for Allison. Allison was her boss. I did. And well, then- that's sort of. Also, she is a very accomplished uh, stand-up comic oh, and, yeah, sure. and writer, written on multiple shows. Uh, she is very, very funny, and um, I look up to her. Sure, all yes. that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, we knew each other in New York. We did. Uh, we did improv classes improv together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So- and then when I was staffing for my scripted comedic soap opera Gossip, which you can listen to now, <laughs> uh, Gabby recommended Charla as a writer. Yeah. So it's like a full circle. It is. You know what I mean? So you talk a lot about your family in your stand-up. I do, yeah. Do they know that you talk about them? I don't know. Really? <laughs> I don't oh, know so how much of my stand-up they listen to. And I also think I'm talking much more about my family these days Okay. than what they've watched. So, like, they watch my web series, which is so old. <laughs> I loved that web series. I loved Clench it, too. Yeah, release. Clench and release. Um, but I just recorded an album for yeah. my first album, and That's I do amazing. talk about... Yay! I'm so excited. I do talk about my family a lot on it, and I... Haven't done that before. And so you didn't ask their permission going into it. I didn't. I had to ask myself permission because Mm -hmm. I I purposefully didn't talk about them for a long time. And I didn't talk about a lot of things for a long time because my parents, my mom in particular, is very religious Mm -hmm. and she's very private. Like a lot of Haitians are like I'm my family's from the Caribbean. I was born in Haiti. I'm very private as a person Mm -hmm. and culturally that's changed a lot like i remember when i first started working in tv rooms in writers rooms uh people would just be like yeah my boyfriend fucked me in the asshole today (laughs) like the level of just like just no there's just no privacy (laughs) people just talk about whatever all the time yeah and I think the culture of writers' rooms is to be very open. And I think our culture changed a lot, like TV, podcasts. Yeah. There was a shift that happened. And and you're talking about American culture. I'm talking about American culture. But- there was a shift that happened in American culture that challenged me as a Haitian who is normally very private, mm-hmm. especially to do this work where you have to be very vulnerable, where you mine a lot of your jokes from your personal life. Right. And you and it's just not in vogue to be private anymore. I mean, at least to a certain extent, you know? Yeah. It used to be very like uh joke writer sort of yeah. heavy and you wouldn't get to know the person but now everyone's just like i need to get to know the artist yeah so i mean but so what what specifically did you talk about uh, about your family that you're like maybe they won't like this i actually don't think there's anything i talked about that oh, that's was good. that bad you know i i just in talk your about, opinion in my opinion <laughs> i mean They're i like do furious. talk about yeah i do talk about haitians beating their kids which controversial maybe um uncomfortable for them to hear but i was beaten <laughs> so it's like what and does I that don't, mean what does that mean specifically i mean i don't talk about it in a way that's like oh my parents were this or that i i talk about it like that's that everybody literally the joke is and you can hear it on the album <laughs> but i will <laughs> give you a taste of it now is um like i start with uh haitians beat their kids mm-hmm. um and i'll say spank if that's easier on white ears right uh, because i think it's something that white people are very uncomfortable with and it's um it's just not a big deal at all like there's something in a lot of haitian 
households known as community parenting, which means not only do your parents beat you, but everybody beats you. <laughs> and it's just super normal. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's not like necessarily, I mean, everyone's different, but it's yeah. for discipline. And that's how a lot of immigrants do it. But so when you're saying that, like, I, I think a lot of times, like, when I think of a, a, a parent abusing a kid, it's like out of anger and yeah. there's a lack of control there. Yeah. But you're saying it was more strictly disciplinary and... I'm not. I'm okay. saying <laughs> I'm not saying that there isn't any of that. And I actually I'm very much in therapy and I love it very much. Mm-hmm. And my therapist is great. And one of the things that she brought up in one of our sessions was that, you know, the the trauma that runs right. through mm-hmm. black culture or slave culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea that, you know, black families beating their kids comes from that trauma yeah it's and generational, it's generational trauma. Trauma. it goes into your dna that's 100 percent what it is yes um and i can tell you've been to therapy from that answer <laughs> <laughs> i read a lot about yeah. uh, my grandparents are holocaust survivors and yeah. i so i read a lot about um generational trauma in terms of like the jewish people yeah. how like a, all of us have neuroses now because yeah. of the holocaust <laughs> yeah that makes 100 percent you know mm-hmm. sense that makes sense and you know haitians were enslaved by the french black people were enslaved mm-hmm. in america by americans <laughs> so, and it reverberates and like it, people 100%, are like percent yeah. when they go oh but slavery was so long ago it reverberates and will continue to reverberate in the people in that say the culture that culture forever yeah the people that say that don't know what they're talking exactly. about and the people that say that are willfully ignorant about yes. literal everyday life yes. <laughs> if they look around at what's going on so i, mean, I don't listen don't, to those people for sure i mean you don't think like my grandmother being in a concentration camp affected that my, both my dad and his sister were drug addicts our household was a certain way and chaotic like it all like you know the how people deal with things yeah. like it, it it goes into like the fabric of the family 100 percent. yeah yeah so so what how do people react to that joke they don't laugh sometimes yeah (laughs) but the thing is i i have given myself permission to laugh at the things that have happened in my past and even and i've given myself permission to talk about the things that were my experiences Mm -hmm. so it's like even if you know if my parents or my mother or whatever are not happy about it it still happened and it happened to me and it's my experience and i can talk about it and it took and i had to get comfortable to talk about Mm -hmm. it so i feel like i can talk about it And, and if i'm okay with it enough to talk about it and you know our culture has changed with that as well like it used to be that talking about spanking your kids could be a joke but more and more our culture which i think is really great has gotten really um empathetic Mm -hmm. and i think we are very aware of other people's trauma Mm -hmm. and you know and also frankly i'm talking in front of white audiences a lot and white audiences audiences tend to not be as comfortable with that but when i'm in front of a bunch of caribbeans when i'm in front of a bunch of people of color everybody laughs because you know trauma is hysterical yeah (laughs) shared experiences are hysterical so it really depends on who i'm in front of uh what is your relationship like with your parents now my relationship with my parents is i would say good in the sense that i i know that we're not all gonna be here forever so the older i've gotten the more i've just wanted to spend time with them mm-hmm. i just want to be around them and spend time with them i think it's pretty good i i get frustrated with them a lot because they're nearing retirement <laughs> and they're not doing what i want them to do <laughs> so, which is what 
I kind of want them to move to Canada. <laughs> are they able to do that? Are they Canadian citizens? They are not Canadian citizens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what's the thinking there? So I'm just thinking about like... You're like, I'm I want to spend more time with them. Can they or, move to another country? <laughs> I mean, so uh, I they're in Massachusetts and it's the same time yeah. to get there. So it don't matter. Um, but I'm just thinking about like, I'm literally looking at what do they have ready for retirement right. and i'm like you know my grandmother just passed away and like that was really sad and i'm thinking about like you know what if they get sick and like if we don't mm -hmm. have that this or that and like you know we don't live in a country that makes it easy for people <laughs> if you're not nope. rich literally mm -hmm. so i'm just like yeah we're not rich mm -hmm. <laughs> so wh how what how can i best take care of them if something happens, frankly, I'm really I'm literally just thinking I've just been thinking a lot about like I'm in my 30s now and I just feel like I'm thinking about having to take care of my parents. Literally. Are you the oldest? I am. Me and my twin sister are. Oh, so so maybe you have some help. I I have help. Yeah, <laughs> but I have help. I have her. But I just I want to make it easier on us. <laughs> I yeah. want them to live in a country. And, uh, you know, this is you know, they looked at me like I was crazy. Which I understand. When you suggested Canada. <laughs> they were like, yeah. We tried so hard yes, to come to here. Get you here. <laughs> but I'm just like, look, this country does not make it easy. If you literally don't retire with your mortgage paid off Absolutely. with like at least half a million dollars in your retirement, mm -hmm. I don't know what you're gonna do. <laughs> like, especially oh. if you get sick and you don't have really good insurance. Like that's I'm literally doing the math. And I'm yeah. just like, what if something happens? What if you guys aren't able to like say sock more away? Like that's I'm truly just doing the math. And I was just like, what would make it the easiest on everyone? They're still working? You, yeah, they are. Uh, how old are they? They're in their like early 50s. My mom had me when, my parents had me when they were very young. They, my yeah. mom was a teenager when she had us, yeah. So like my parents also just no, no retirement situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard you talk about it on Time <laughs> Money, which is why I love it. Um, it's truly wild. And my yeah. parents are older. Like my dad's in his 70s. Mm -hmm. My mom's in her 60s. They're both still working. Yeah. Um, and I... Uh, like, I don't know what the plan is. Yeah, you've talked about it on the podcast, which is I related to it about them kind of depending on you yep. uh, for their retirement, which is very stressful. When did, <laughs> when did we become when did we become the parents of our parents? That's exactly what it feels like. And this is something we're touching on, which I if I, I think if they did hear it, they wouldn't love it. No, <laughs> but, but that is the truth of the situation. No, my you parents know? hate when I yeah. talk about it, but yeah. he, then don't call then me. Don't do it. <laughs> don't call me three times in one day to ask me about where you should invest. Yeah. I'm your child. Yeah. Like it's very there's like a lot of sort of reversal. There is reversal. And yeah, yeah, sometimes it, it feels a little bit, um, I guess, discouraging yeah. <laughs> is the word I can find for it. Like, it feels a little bit discouraging. It feels like I don't have any safe place to go. I'm my safe place. Oh, what <laughs> so about? Like, I well, have nothing to like fall back on. You're hitting me where I live. Yeah. What about your husband's family? Absolute opposite. Really? Absolute opposite. Lovely. They, lovely people it's not like my parents aren't lovely my parents are hilarious and amazing which i hate that i'll have to say because if i feel like it sounds like i'm talking do we have 
the same parents? Do we? <laughs> do you feel that guilt? Like whenever you say something like yeah. they didn't prepare for retirement, but they're great. Yeah, because, <laughs> they're very nice. Like, I don't know what that is. Too, yeah. Is like it wasn't it's a protection. It's like, I, am I trying to protect them? Like, what yes. am I doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my parents are, are very kind. I think they're very funny. I think like and also I feel a lot of guilt saying anything negative about them yeah. because when I came out, they were delightful. Yeah. I mean, it was the best, like, it was the best, you know, I there was no, you're getting kicked out of the house, you're going to hell. Like, there was nothing. Like, yeah. they took me coming out so well that, like, and it's such a rarity that I feel very grateful to them for that. Yeah. So, the guilt is, like, I can't say that they're terrible because that and was truly, and like, lovely. Not. I was literally just talking to a friend about how our parents are just people. And the older that we get... Like the more you're like, oh, they're just people, and I, I'm holding them to a higher standard. Yeah, but they're good they're, and they're, they're bad. They're good and they're bad. They're not perfect. Mm-hmm. They're just people. <laughs> they're they're normal, regular people. And they were just trying to survive the exactly, eighties, man. They were exactly just trying to survive is. the eighties. <laughs> they're just trying to. It, it literally <laughs> would be like me having a kid, but I mean, I've watched them do it, and now I know what not to do. Basically, yeah. like you wouldn't hit your kid. I don't think I could. And I and I notice it with my younger siblings. Like, I can't really hit them. <laughs> and it's like, was that, was that, don't were you like, told because to, of were you told to discipline them that way? Because you're, well, you're there's older an expectation in my culture that like you literally are the parent to your younger siblings. Like, when my mom is away, I am their parents. So and how old are your siblings? I have a 28 year old sister, I have a 15 year old sister. I mean, I, my twin sister. 28-year-old sister, 15-year-old sister, 13-year-old sister, 7-year-old brother, 5-year-old sister. I have uh, seven siblings. I have a lot. <sighs> and they're a range of ages. Yeah, our bananas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that is, yeah, you're singing my life story yeah. about pa- parenting your younger sibling. Yeah. You very much are expected to parent them. And I've never been good at, like, hitting kids. Have no, you ever why done would it? you yeah. be good at it? I've, I've never been good at it. <laughs> You're like, one thing I'm constantly failing yeah. at is hitting children. <laughs> children. God. I'm just not good at it. And I think it's probably because I didn't like I didn't like ha- being hit when I well, was yeah. a kid. That's great. I yeah. mean, often you hear about the, the cycle of abuse. Yeah. And like that if the, oh well this happened to me, so it's gonna happen to you. And I think it's great that you that you broke that. One thing that I always thought was really bad about uh, um, the way that some Haitians I mean not Haitians or like cultures that discipline their kids mm-hmm. with violence mm-hmm. or with hitting your kid the thing is like the, the people that do it with love you can tell and then there are the people that do it with the you know anger or whatever it is that is really coming out when mm-hmm. they hit their kid Yeah, and I've never thought it was particular like you can see the cultures or the families when they hit their kid with respect I think it's a respect thing because I think that there is a dehumanization that comes with yeah. that trauma and that history. Yeah, and of you the can, kid. That it's a it's a kid. It's not a person. It, ex- but not even only that. Like you don't treat the kid like a person. You don't That's, respect yeah. them. There's <laughs> and it's also like, like a, you should I respect think, a human being. Yeah, yeah, I would think there's a different level of fear involved. Yes, yeah. where like one feels like disciplinary and one feels like you're. It comes by the temperament of the parent or right. the circumstance of right. what's happening, you right. know, like, yeah. but I also, yeah. I hate the idea that like, you're my kid, so you belong to me. Yeah. Like I could do whatever I want to you because you're my kid. Yeah. I do, like, no. there, you, you don't feel particularly 
protected. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, I think yeah. I think this is going to be like a controversial segment. I think people have really strong feelings about it. And and there is an element of colonialism to it where I think there are people for whom it's like this is the worst fucking thing we could possibly talk about like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, talk about or do? That you're not fully crying and fully being like this was my horrible trauma and like do you know what I mean like yeah. that you're kind of just very matter of fact about it I am and that's because culturally it's very matter of fact and right. I and I do think I mean I have so many opinions about it but I don't think they matter <laughs> I don't think my opinions matter that much yeah I think they do I mean I think because everyone's different right so it's like i can't apply a blanket i can't apply my opinion to everyone i think it's circumstantial i think some discipline is good some is bad we can't sit here as like two white people and be like that's not okay because we're not that's the thing about it in when i'm at comedy shows when people don't laugh it's like you know i kind of roll my eyes and but i still will do the joke yeah and why i do think like there's a total difference when i'm in front of mixed audiences mm-hmm. or or a more racially diverse audience or a blacker audience or more mm-hmm. or a more immigrant audience because it's not just black people that beat their kids no, <laughs> you like, hear about what's it, it called yeah. um with um with latinx people what is it called the shoe know. yeah where the grandmother has like yeah. a shoe that it, she that's uses. why i say immigrant culture a lot of the time because it yeah. is a very like immigrants just think very differently about raising their children i think americans have coddled their children so it's just like yes. i have different opinions about different things i think sometimes americans coddle their children too much and i think sometimes immigrants beat their kids too much so it's like it is matter of fact yeah <laughs> it, it's just what happened and i i deal with it how i deal with it you know do you think that uh as like american culture changes around it that that like you know you say you don't feel comfortable doing it do you think that in a few generations it'll be happening less in in immigrant communities or do you think that it's like too ingrained i don't think anything is too ingrained Mm -hmm. i think i i do think i'm a different generation Mm -hmm. and it's true i I, it that's really exactly it i'm just a different generation and like um there's less and i think it's also my personality yeah there's less of an acceptance as this of the status quo for the younger people yes Mm -hmm. um i mean i don't want to speak for my whole uh culture like yeah. my whole gen, the culture of my generation. Yeah. Like I don't want to speak for Haitians in my age range because I think again it's uh it's your personality. It's my personality. It's my personal feelings. Like and my personal feelings is that I'm personally, I don't like hitting. Shawna <laughs> <laughs> Larson running just, for president in 2020. Think, <laughs> I don't I, like. Hitting I don't kids. think it's an effective. I don't think it's effective discipline i don't think it's effective discipline and i think it's hum- it can be humiliating i think it makes the kid feel like because it made me feel like i wasn't a person that mattered. <laughs> right of course and i laugh at that because i know i matter you yeah. know and i know that i uh i i do deserve respect no matter if i'm five years old you know what i mean right. so it's like yeah, I think it's a generational thing. I think it's a cultural thing, but I don't want to speak as if Haitians are a uh, what is the word monolith. Monolith. That's For exactly sure. it. I want to be like I personally feel like this. Yeah. Did you think that that everyone was disciplined that way when you were growing up? One hundred percent. When did you 100%. realize that wasn't the case? Oh my god, I have such a horrible story for this. Oh no, <laughs> lay it on us. Oh no. So my family and I had just moved to Norwood, Massachusetts. We from Boston, from Hyde Park, which is like a super Haitian neighborhood uh-huh. in Boston. 
And we moved to Norwood, which is an incredibly white neighborhood. I was the only black kid in any of my classes. How old were you? I was like, mm, I was in middle school. So what, 13? Mm -hmm. That's a big shock. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I was like the only black kid at anywhere um, in Norwood. And I had my first sleepover. And we lived in this apartment building. And there was all obvious class things, too, because we lived in an apartment building. A lot of the white people lived in houses. A lot of the immigrants lived in apartments. So there was that class thing, which didn't super bother me because I I think I was just young enough. Mm -hmm. I was just getting I was just still young enough to not have that bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my first sleepover. It was my first friend. At your house? At our apartment. Yes, at our apartment. And we were just like chatting the night away. It was so much fun. And at one point, my dad busted in in his fucking (laughs) tidy whities. And he had a belt, like, you know, raised. He was, like, half asleep. He had to get up at, like, 4 a.m. or something like that to go to work. And um, literally five minutes later, ten minutes later, her dad was there and she was gone. Like, she, like, her dad picked her up and she was gone. She was so freaked out. She was so scared. And if it was another Haitian kid, they would have just known. I mean, it, he didn't do anything it was just a warning to be quiet yeah shut the fuck up i'm trying to sleep and you guys think you're being quiet but you're being so loud and she freaked the fuck out and she left which i totally get yeah. <laughs> but i was also like oh shit yeah not normal like for other people yeah because if it was another immigrant kid they would have just went to sleep <laughs> we right. would have just quieted down and went to sleep we get it you know did she tell you she was calling your dad um yeah i saw her calling her dad <laughs> <laughs> and she also never slept over again wow yeah yeah but because I, it I, is I get it it is that thing of like, okay, let's say like you're out at the supermarket and you see a parent spanking their kid. Yeah. And you're the fucking white lady in your Lululemons. Like, that, do you go over there and say something? Do you, I could see like situations where like some, someone is like, I'm calling the police. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there is such a, like, even, even if you, in, if I was in my apartment in New York and I would hear like, a couple like de- fighting next to me yeah. and like maybe something I would hear something where I was like did he drop a table or did he punch yeah. her like I don't yeah. know and so it's like do you do you call the police like it's such a crazy I mean, to me, the thing is like okay there are different layers to this right because yeah, yeah it's yeah you're white ladies but there is violence happening I think it's a human reaction yeah. to want to help someone know, but is it like a, a, a child protective services thing where and they're just not understanding the culture like it's so layered the thing is it is layered and sometimes it is a child protective services Mm -hmm. thing and i think that you as a human being can look at a situation being like holy shit that is way too hard to hit a five-year-old or like yeah like i would rather take the risk of overstepping it when it comes to these sorts of things than than not yeah but then it becomes like you as a as then it and i don't know that i'm just i'm just saying it i don't know that i believe this but like then it becomes like you as a white person calling the police on black people which already not great and being like oh because you're misunderstanding their culture because it's that thing of like when you know the missionaries used to go in and be like you have to behave the way we behave i think those are two very different things children is different i think think violence is violent (laughs) like if you hear someone being beaten next door that's violent oh no that's a different thing yeah yeah, that's but a different I, thing. I, I, I agree with you that I do see a white supremacy, a white privilege yeah. in, in having the freedom to overstep your bounds. Right. But I do think that you're also a human being <laughs> and, sure. and you also see violence happening. And also children, uh, to me, this 
different rules apply like their protection like i don't absolutely, know absolutely but i'm saying what if like you no, I, what I, if that I get girl what you guys, had what left you guys your sleepover and called the police to your house like that would have been it. hard that would have to... been horrible that right. would have been horrible and i'm glad she didn't <laughs> and i'm glad they right. didn't that would have been horrible and that's what i mean about like yeah there are layers like right. if she yeah, but there's... but we've i have had child protective services called on my family before right, and, really. and and we as children had to sit with the cps is that mm-hmm. what you call it mm-hmm. <laughs> person yeah. and like it was really scary mm-hmm. and do you know who called i don't yeah it was really scary and i i the thing again i i don't know the answer right, <laughs> like, right. I don't no know there the isn't answer. one it's just a bunch and of layered questions it is. and the thing is like there's a class thing to it too Absolutely. right because like usually if you're seeing that kind of if you're seeing that kind of thing in public it's like i i think you tend to be poorer you you know what i mean like because i mean oh my god it's not happening at the whole foods it's not (laughs) happening at the whole foods but it might be happening worse in that person's home at the whole foods you know what i mean so that's what i mean it's like it's a cultural thing yes like i think american culture i think capitalism in america breeds dysfunction in a lot of families Mm -hmm. and i think violence is one of the ways that that dysfunction it mm-hmm. shows whether it's a, in a white family or in an immigrant family or whatever. But I, I it's it's layered as fuck. <laughs> and yeah. I don't have the answer and I don't know what to do. And I and I have seen people beat their kids in grocery stores and not done anything about it. And I do think that, that that's cultural because mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't know if it would be better if that kid was out of their parents' house, but it might be. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I, I and you know, I think that you're right, that there are situations where it's like a, a wealthier, yeah. like white family might do the exact same thing. And I think my, I think my mom like hit me on the butt in public a few times and like, no one's going to do shit about that. Yeah. To me, like... <sighs> This is the tricky part. It's like, obviously, I come from a different culture and my parents never hit me in any way. But like, I am just so afraid that violence leads to more violence. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, in my case, it didn't. Right. Right. Exactly. And it. I, I also I wanted to say, I think part of that not calling the police or whatever, mm-hmm. especially for immigrants or on other immigrants is I don't trust the police. That's, That's the what other. I'm saying. And, and yeah. I don't That's trust our government. And right. I don't think that, I mean, anything you hear about the the foster system or like horrible. This, it's horrible. So and those it? kids are not in better care. That's so, what I'm saying. So that family's poor. Now you're putting more shit on that. It's of like, course. I don't know the right answer. And maybe <laughs> like, ICE is coming and maybe exactly. like, it's like now you, don't, that... you don't know what Pandora's box you're opening exactly. for that family just That's... because their kid was being bad and they disciplined that kid in the way that their culture has taught them to. I don't know the right answer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I it's really complicated. I know. I was... Uh... This is like not that related, but well, I saw Fiddler on the Roof and like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, but like the whole thing was that, you know, the Jews were being persecuted in Russia and like America was this like safe haven that they could come to. Mm -hmm. And it was just like so sad to me that like that's just so no longer true. Yeah. Like you're just like if you're a minority, which is what the Jews were there, like you you're not you're not safe here. This is like if if you can even get in, yeah. then like your situation is so precarious and you're like running the risk of like issues with the authorities constantly. And I think there's no understanding of other cultures from white people. Like white people here 
don't take a, a second to understand like what might be appropriate in other cultures or what might be like happening in other cultures. We just go, well, you're not doing it the way we would do it. So that's bad. I think white culture in America is so savage and nobody talks about it. And like it, it, the, Ooh, same, the, same, the same way that, you know, the generational trauma uh-huh. of being beaten carries on in, you know, slave communities yeah. or like communities that were slaves. I think that kind of savageness carries on too. Like if you look at the way that people excuse the behavior of the police for so long before video came mm-hmm. out, if you look at the way that people excuse so much of the behavior of the president because he's white, then yep. you know that if a different color person did it, it would not be okay. Mm-hmm. All these things are obvious and in our face and very much reality. And we don't do anything because that's okay here. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, sure. Have Do you feel a shift in the culture? Do you feel like as a white person that there is a shift happening, that there are certain things that you didn't even know you were doing and now you feel really bad doing them? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I would really hesitate to call the police. So, okay. Which I, you grow up being like, I mean, we grew up like my parents took me to the police station to like do this thing in case I was kidnapped, which is like give my fingerprints and do all this stuff. And we were like helpful police people here to help the community. And like it was very like we went to like police day or whatever where you got to like shake hands with cops and stuff like we and and. So we, I grew up being like, the cops are your friends. Yeah. We live in Richard Scarry's whatever the fuck. And now it's like, I, I really don't, like, I really don't know how I would feel about it. In terms of, like, my own actions is sort of what you're asking. Um, it's tough. Like, I feel immense white privilege and immense guilt. It's the sort of thing where, like, I know I'm not going to be challenged in the mm. way that people of color mm. are. You know, like, I... <laughs> They technically didn't know, like, my my race, but, like, you know, like, I had uh, insurance fraud and someone, like, used my license to steal a Lincoln Navigator. Oh, shit. And, like, I literally <laughs> just was like, well, I didn't do this. And they were like, okay. You yeah. know? And, like, yeah. who the fuck knows what yeah. that would have been if I had a different yeah. last name. Yeah. You know? And so I, it's, like, I think there is a much larger awareness yeah. of of it. Yeah. Um. And I'm sure that I do things that are fucked up. And like uh, to me, like the biggest thing that I'm seeing and that I'm trying to really understand and is like everyone is raised racist. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's and a, and it's for a me to pretend that I wasn't yeah. and that like that that I don't have these like initial thoughts that are like ingrained in me yeah. is harmful. Yeah. Because it acts like there's not a problem. That's why it's people denial. get so it's yeah. denial. And- America is absolutely in, a, in denial. And I think that's a great freaking that's the truth. <laughs> right? People get so mad. I'm not racist. Yeah. I'm not racist. Every everyone is. Are it's you like kidding I'm, me? I am yeah. actively trying to retrain my brain yeah. against racism is the best thing that I can it's, can say and claim. But I can't claim that yeah. I wasn't taught those things. It's in our very yeah. it's like it's in our it's ingrained in our culture in every possible in every way, way at mm-hmm. every level. And even in the way that we talk, like if if you watch the news, like, you know, black people or black Twitter or whoever did it had to call out the fact that like whenever a black kid gets shot, the first thing they talk about is what did he do? What was his rap? Yeah, exactly. And when when a white kid goes up and shoots up a school, they're like, he was quiet. He was an angel. (laughs) 
yeah. was like, but yeah. like even the way the media. Or he was bullied. Exactly. It wasn't his. You yes. Know. yes. Like, like it, even the way the media talks, like when a black mother goes on TV after her son was shot, mm-hmm. they ask you, did you, do you forgive the police? Everything yes. is white centered. Yes. Even in the way that the media, mm-hmm. the where we get our information, the newspapers like mm-hmm. are talked to talk oh. <laughs> like it's beauty standards beauty standards rules for yeah. what, your office like for dress codes in offices fucking band-aids yeah. like everything you is can't white wear your natural hair it's just ingrained at every absolute level yep. of our culture yep. so yeah i feel like th- th- uh we are at a point in our culture where everyone's trying to be really sensitive to other people which i think is great i mm-hmm. think it's like one of the things you have to do on the road to to equity and equality and sharing the world and uh, spaces i always feel like coming at it from a place of kindness is really Mm -hmm. the basis you know like if you ask me like there are certain things that i think like white people are very afraid of talking about and asking about like hair Mm -hmm. but i genuinely like if you have never asked another black person about their hair it's fine (laughs) like i think it's all right it's like i think if you ask nicely i think the rudest possible thing and i've had multiple white women do it to me is touch my hair without asking that to me it's like uh, to me i always like imagine if it happened to you imagine if you were sitting next to someone who you don't know and they just touched you like Mm -hmm. you were uh, not a person (laughs) like because that's what it feels like it feels like an overreach of your boundaries Mm -hmm. and it's like you wouldn't do that to someone you respected i think you know like anytime anyone has asked me if they could touch my hair i usually say yes you know it's usually it's a little kid (laughs) and they just want (laughs) to and they're or like if a little kid is touching my hair on a plane that comes from a place of genuine curiosity and connection that's different than literally reaching out your grubby hand (laughs) and touching someone who you don't know which i think is just it lacks a basic level of respect and i think we should stay in this point in our culture where people feel really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um people people want people don't want to offend other people and i think that's good i think that's how Mm -hmm. we get to a point where there's more equity and i'm talking about equity not just equality because i mean like there needs to be different like we like when we talk about equity we talk about it like you're standing on like a uh like a little what do you call it like a little soapbox or like yes it's that it's um, like that image image of of a gate or like there are three people trying to watch a baseball game Mm -hmm. and there is a fence that is blocking them and one person is super tall so they can see the game and then one person is just a little bit shorter so they put like a little block or step for them to see and then the last person is super short so they put two blocks for that person to see that's what i'm talking about like making sure would be if everyone got one box exactly but it would still mean that the right. last person wouldn't Doesn't be able to see. see yeah so that's equality yeah. but equity is when everyone gets the amount of boxes they yeah. need and that can happen in different ways and i and i i genuinely see a little bit of hope in our generation because i'm seeing people start to get it you yeah. know what i mean i'm seeing people start to like have genuine respect for other individuals and other human beings like where it is expected of us to learn and understand if you don't know what trans is Mm -hmm. if you don't know what abortion is get a book go on the internet figure it out if you don't know why black people are mad about blackface i've had i've had white people who are in positions of power in my life like my representatives my people like this Uh ask me questions that i don't think that they should have jobs if they have those questions like i think that you should should be educated (laughs) enough to know what the word diversity means yeah like that the word diversity doesn't apply to a person it applies to a situation yeah <laughs> like we have and a diverse room i'm not a diverse person i am black <laughs> like some people don't, like, like 
like like you should like you should know why blackface isn't okay right you, right. Should, you should know why black people don't feel comfortable calling the police like you should know those things mm-hmm. it, you should be you should be educated enough in a modern world and i feel like we are a generation that thinks that way that it is embarrassing to not know <laughs> like what i'm talking about when i'm talking to another person and you should be embarrassed because th- i think that is equity i think that's respect for another individual for another human being and that's how it's gonna be better if it ever gets better you know <laughs> this was incredible thank you oh, very so much glad. and uh, we're not letting you go because oh, nope. <laughs> now is the fun time where would you like to play a game called hypothetical i can't say no <laughs> yeah you can't we lock the door um in this game i'm going to give you some hypothetical situations and you're going to tell me what you would do yeah and, and you'll be wrong okay well probably this one is entitled are you an asshole at a very important business meeting, you make an extremely crass joke that everyone finds hysterical. Other than Eileen in accounting, but Eileen sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the joke makes her cry. Are you an asshole? To Eileen. Now, explain who is Eileen and why Eileen's did she cry? Eileen's in accounting. But why was she crying? Because she was just so shocked by the crassness of the joke. Oh, so she's yeah. kind of a prude? Yeah, she's a big time prude. It has nothing to do with her, like, being. It's no. just that she's a prude. Yeah, she's a prude and she's very sensitive. Got it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an asshole except to anyone but Eileen, <laughs> I think. Wait, Eileen works in HR? Yeah. Accounting. Oh, I'm so sorry. God, these Gabby's details are important. I'm sorry. She's not listening. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I thought Eileen worked in HR and that the trick was that you were going to get fired. No. The trick is that she lowers your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> What's the answer? Um, the answer is Eileen's an asshole because oh, she was trying yeah. to get attention. Oh. Wait, so she wasn't really crying? No, she wasn't. What she, a bitch. I know. We all hate Eileen. <laughs> wow. So she just wanted attention. Yep. What a bitch. Wow. But I also think you should be careful about the jokes you make in a workplace environment. Oh, absolutely. But this one was hysterical. (laughs) If everyone else laughs and one person doesn't laugh, then, you know. I'm sorry. So you're allowed to make a crass joke as long as it's so funny. Uh, In Allison's brain, yeah. No, at this one company called Crass Jokes International. Is it? Is it a prank company, Allison? It's a a, um, note card company that prints crass jokes. Okay. So cards against humanity? Uh, no comment. Okay. Our final and most important game. Would you stay with this cheater? Do you know this game? No. Okay. It's pretty, it's world renowned. Yeah, it's weird you don't know it. Everyone <laughs> it's, knows. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty famous. You have been in an open relationship with your significant other for 10 months. They often tell you about their sexcapades with other people. One day, they say they are texting with a new hookup, but you can see their phone, and they're playing words with friends. You learn <laughs> you learn that they have never actually been with anyone else. Would you stay with this secretly monogamous person? This is a hilarious question. <laughs> it's very complex. How detailed is First what of all, they're this saying? sounds like kind of an awesome person. That's just lying about hooking but, up. But it sounds like kind of an awesome person a little bit. Right? Because they like because you want to be in an In open. my brain, it, it makes me think that this person, and I'm not this person, was so cool about their partner wanting to be in a yeah. in an open relationship. And so um generous and like <laughs> freaking supportive of them wanting to explore their sexuality and then wanted them to feel supported by lying to them (laughs) about 
<laughs> them also doing it, but also being too lazy to do it, <laughs> which is what this person sounds like to me. But an excellent storyteller. I was yeah. going to say, how imaginative were their explanations? Uh, really good stuff. They should like, could, write, could get published yeah, in Yeah, they penthouse. should write erotic novels. Wait, what's the answer? You tell me. I would stay. You I, would stay? I would kind of sure. stay. This person sounds kind of cool. Here's the thing. I would stay. I would become their literary agent. I would have them write everything <laughs> down. That's the next Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey. We're millionaires. And mind you, I'm not this person. <laughs> I would never be this person. Oh, my God. But I, would... I had to imagine a whole situation to yeah. see this person as a really amazing human being. I think, but, I think you deserve yeah. this person. I would be I, so freaked out yeah. by the sociopathic nature of being able to lie like that. Oh, it's I, but I, also, yeah. I also respect Especially about it. Sex. Like, yeah. like, there's porn. You can watch porn and just be like, just say that. <laughs> say you did that. Yeah, then you realize every story they've ever told you is a plot of a porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was on a pirate ship. And, <laughs> and they're like, mm, okay. Uh, in this uh, case, this person is Charlotte's soulmate and Gabby dies alone. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you? At Charlotte Lariston across all platforms. And where can we find your album? It's going to be on Spotify. What's it called? It's called Karate. I love that. Thank you so much again. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege, as I mean, always. My honor and privilege. You guys are the best. You just, I, you blew us away. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about advice to the younger you. Welcome back. To just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X. I had to say it with a lot of inflection because people think I'm saying sex or X, like your XX. Oh yeah, you never say sex. No, I would. I never have, and I never will. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so this week, um, our producer suggested what I found to be a lovely topic. Sure, it's very, it's very cute, and it's advice to the younger you. How thrilled are you that you're no longer a child? Oh, my God. <laughs> Please. I The idea of going to any sort of school is horrifying to me. School sucks. I mean, I can buy mostly the things that I want. I don't have to, like, shoplift from the Claire's so I can have the things that I want. It's like because my mom wouldn't let me buy, like, sp- <laughs> spiked jokers. Okay. I can buy whatever I – you know what I mean? I can buy whatever I want. So your main excitement about adulthood is is that it's limited how much you have to shoplift. <laughs> yeah, I barely have to shoplift at all. It's so exciting. Uh, it's like I the I can eat what I want. Oh my god, it's amazing. Also, things matter so much less. Oh, when I was younger, like in my early twenties, I had so many friends who were older than me, mm-hmm. and all the time they would say things about my age, and I would get so offended because in my brain I was a fully formed person. Yeah, and like it's really hard to like understand that your brain grows in a way that you like can't track or like expect, or you know, yeah. like you just like you start to process things differently as you get older. Yeah, because you've just experienced more. Yeah. Like, no relationship is, like, so important. Right. Like, dating-wise. Like, you, like, love the person, and you're like, this is great, and, like, I hope that we stay together. But you're not, like, you know, it's not, like, the your first college relationship where you're like, we have to make this work or whatever. Things become a bit repetitive, and in their repetitiveness, they lose some of their power. 
Yeah, is it bad to not care about anything anymore or is it good? <laughs> like, I used to be so insecure in my own body mm. and things like I – since I was like in middle school probably, I shaved my arm hair. And sure. I, you know, because like in kindergarten, a girl called me a werewolf and – Yeah, we all know the story. Okay. <laughs> and um, I used to be so self-conscious that when it gets cold – my arm hair would stick up. Sure. And I didn't want anyone to be able to feel my arm hair. <laughs> yeah. Now I like fully have a mustache and I'm like, who cares? <laughs> well, like Whatever. But just like at a certain point and I don't know when it happened and I don't know why it happened. I was like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, oh no, someone can feel my arm hair. And I honestly think a big part of it was you telling me when you were like, what? Some guy's going to see I didn't shave my legs and not fuck me? <laughs> oh, the amount of shit that you can just like I that you care so much about and like the guy like whatever it's heteronormative but that the guy would like see you naked and be like you know what never mind of course he's gonna fuck you are you kidding me i would also tell my younger self that my vagina is completely normal completely normal i've seen it (laughs) (laughs) but like you know i grew up not seeing many so i thought mine was strange yeah i used to think that i had to like attend everything like Mm -hmm. i would already be home and be like rested and then i would see a in new york and i would like see a party was going on and i'd be like oh my god well i can't miss this and i would fully get redressed and go to the fucking party why go to bed honestly go to bed is a huge piece of advice go to bed if you're already in sweatpants why are you getting redressed to go to a party that's gonna suck and like trust your instincts if you don't want to go to something don't go to it oh don't go you don't have to do anything you don't have to go (laughs) don't go don't like cater to this person if you don't like them don't date whoever you don't want to date just don't do it and if like your friends peer pressure you a lot they suck yeah. Like if you tell your friends you don't want to do something and then they try to make you do it anyway, like aggressively, uh, that's not a good friend. Oh, the amount of friends I have now where I can just say I'm having some anxiety, I can't go, who will just be so understanding and so lovely is like wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And I never had that. I never had that. I always had friends who were just like, you're like the the exact term is we would call each other little bitch asses mm-hmm. if you didn't like finish your 10th margarita. <laughs> what are you, a bitch ass? Oh, also, Allison, you're never going to like alcohol. You will try <laughs> every type of alcohol there is. You will try every cocktail out there mm-hmm. and you will still hate it. Mm-hmm. And a few times you will throw up. Oh, but it'll make you such a fun person. <laughs> Oh, here's the other thing. I thought I I thought I was an irredeemable monster. Yes. I thought I was the worst person in the world uh-huh. because I didn't want to be monogamous and because I I liked uh at the time boys and girls. I liked all genders. But like so I literally hated myself. I had a thing in me where I was just like, You're a monster. What you have to do is you have to to find a guy and you have to uh, be good enough for him. That's what I uh-huh. thought. I was like, you're bad. You're terrible. You're bad. You're evil. So what you have to do is be good enough for this guy so that like, so that he marries you and then your your flaws are your own fault and you just have to keep that to yourself so that you can like have a normal life. How's that plan going? Oh, fuck that plan. <laughs> I put that plan in a rocket and shot it right to space. I like, but I really, I like really, really thought when I was younger, like, you're just going to have to, whatever impulses and urges you have, swallow them. Like you can't live the way that, 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 that you want to because that makes you an evil, bad person. I would also like to tell myself that if um, you're confused about whether or not a guy likes you, he does not like you. 
Absolutely. <laughs> uh, when someone likes you and wants to be with you, uh, you know it. Yeah. Also, like, uh, the girls that you're uh, making out with who say that they're straight, they're not straight. And what what does that teach you by knowing that? Just, like, that you're not a freak. That mm. you're not the only one. Like, I would be like, I'm getting away with something. But, like, everyone's having a good time. If you are in a relationship where um, it's not an even power, mm-hmm. where either you like them way more or they like you way more, mm-hmm. get out of that. Yes. That's not healthy. That's not good. If you think that you will never uh, be able to have a dog in your home, you can and get her sooner. Yeah, (laughs) the OCD. All these things that I thought I could never do, uh, you can. Mm -hmm. Also, oh my God, Allison, go back on medication. Yeah. (laughs) Why did you stop taking medication at 21? Keep taking it. Yeah. (laughs) You need the medication. Yeah. Gabby, you're only treating uh, unipolar depression and you need to be treating bipolar disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Fix that. Oh, here's something. You don't have to shave your vagina every single day, giving yourself horrible shave rash. What? (laughs) That's not good for you. Oh, can I just say, it, I learned so late in the game that people were waxing their vaginas. So, like, what age do you think I learned that? 25. Yep. <laughs> like, fully. Like, did not realize, like, until, like, some friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, I go there for waxing. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> like, fucking seriously. But at, what did you, you thought everyone was shaving? Yeah. Oh, Interesting. And the, and like I was like God this is this sucks yeah Allison your body does not respond well to shaving there <laughs> stop doing it <laughs> oh my God I just felt so lonely yeah I felt so isolated I felt so lonely I felt like a freak I felt like nobody was ever gonna understand me mm-hmm. nobody was I was gonna be like alone that like I had to hide everything about myself. That like truly, I mean, even even in college, I I one time was talking to a, a, a couple people and I said something about maybe being non-monogamous, and they like fully laughed in my face and were like, "Good luck finding anyone." That's like not a thing, and like that is truly like I I felt that way about uh, all through you know childhood and all through because yeah. I had no concept that you could just like be with multiple people or. That Like, I was like, this is a demon inside of me that I have to exercise. And I thought bisexuality wasn't real. So when did you start thinking it was real? I mean, I knew that I, well, here's what's weird, is I knew that I was it, but I also thought it wasn't real. Like, wasn't real or that, like, you were the only one? Either that I was the only one or that I was, like, eventually going to turn gay. Got it. Allison, you didn't need to try so hard in school. Oh, my God. It didn't matter at all. Oh, my God. You went into a creative profession. (laughs) Math? Why? Why was I doing it? I was obsessed with getting straight A's, and it overwhelmed me, and it was all of my self-worth, and, like, chill the fuck out. When your parents told you to chill out, listen to them. Do you know that I tried to lose my virginity three times? Tell me more. Oh, my God. I was in a rush. Mm -hmm. I needed it gone. Okay. Okay. And so in eighth grade, oh my God, I, uh, uh, I asked a friend of mine who I knew had already had sex, also in eighth grade. Ooh. I said, can we do this? And he said, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> then, so I was like, okay. Then in 10th grade, I had another friend 
And we were like making out and I was like, okay, let's just, let's get it. Let's, let's get it moving. And he was like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> and then, so I was like giving it away. Do you understand? So what, so here's the question, young Gabby. What was the rush? Yeah. What was the rush? And also, uh, it doesn't matter that that was happening. I was fully like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because then I had it in my head that like, and it was that thing of like, I think being the girl that was like too sexual, Mm. that people were like, what that's, so I was like, I'm weird. I'm weird for being flirty and slutty or whatever. And people uh, did, did not. And there seemed to be some sort of double standard where you could make out with as many people as you wanted. But if you had sex one time, you were a whore. Really? You didn't know about this? Uh, no, I wasn't that up to date with the politics of Southern Florida. <laughs> also, Allison, um, you will continue to meet people you like. Uh, after every relationship ends, you will not be alone forever. Aww. You will continue to have romantic relationships. And uh, all of your self-worth should not be tied up in them. Hey, Gabby, your dad will get sober. Oh, Pretty exciting. Good. Yeah. He, uh, he will get sober. Um, he will relapse, but he'll get sober again. And, uh, and, and that'll be, uh, you know, you'll eventually, you'll sort of be on your way out of the house at that point. So it's a little bit of a moot one, but, uh, but you're, you know, he's now like totally different than he used to be. So that's exciting for you. Very exciting. Yeah. Allison, you, uh, are not repulsive. Oh my God. I can't believe you ever thought you were repulsive. Of course I did. Everyone does. Don't look they? at your, look at your skin. Okay. I mean... <laughs> I feel like that's not people's like main priority when they're 17. <laughs> um, did you ever have acne? No. Fuck you. Okay. I had a ton of orthodontia problems. I guess that's relatable. I'm pretty sure like I had to like grow in a tooth and I had and I had a chain. They had to take they had to take my baby tooth out. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to put a chain in the tooth that wouldn't come down, uh-huh. and that was pulling the the gro- the adult tooth down. Uh-huh. And then I had a mantra where I said, "As the chain gets longer, I get stronger." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> ah, what? <laughs> I think I thought that I had to go to a very expensive college, and I didn't. Yes, that was huge. Also, your dad has a secret son. <laughs> probably pretty universal i would think this oh I, I think applies to everyone anyway wow. we are so well adjusted considering oh i think about that all the time like i don't think that people understand how weird a kid i was i was so weird i was so weird like i was like five and i wanted my room painted black that that checks out actually <laughs> And my mom was like, no. Uh, Allison, your double vision that occurred after your nose job, that'll clear up. (laughs) But it will take a couple years. (laughs) Gabby, uh, your parents 100% know that you're smoking weed. (laughs) You are not getting away with anything. Allison, smoke more weed earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, Gabby, cut out. Stop it with the cloves. Oh, yeah. They don't make you look cool. They are just gross. Also, Elijah Wood is not your future husband. Allison, your improv team is going to kick you off. Oh, it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful. But just know that they don't matter. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, I don't. Here's the thing. I'm, I was about to say, Gabby, you don't have to fuck everyone you meet. But I had a great time. <laughs> so I feel like probably that one we can keep. Allison, 
things get better. Yeah. In general. Just growing up is way better than being younger. The like, Gabby, like the thing that you are most, you most hate about yourself, you're going to be a fucking activist. Like you're going to be, you're going to be like, like one of the most notable bisexuals. And like, let's cool your horses, but yeah. And like, and you're like trying to hide it from everyone. And you are literally going to like name your corporation after bisexuality. Like you are like, that's your fucking jam, girl. Allison, you don't need to be ashamed of your mental illness. Uh, Monetize it. That's what I mean. (laughs) Take the thing that you are most ashamed about yourself and monetize it. I don't think we could give you better advice than that. Uh, Kristen, you want to come on in and rate us? What what do you rate uh, the episode, Kristen? Um, I rate this uh, 4.5 chunk less. Okay. Ugh. Okay, when <laughs> I was talking about the the shoe that's that Latin ex grandparents oh. used to hit you, it's called a chunkless, chunkla, oh. chunkla, and I and and Kristen knew it and was trying to say it from the booth. I was pounding on the window, chunkla. You should write it on a pad. <laughs> oh, I guess that would have been more. <laughs> Thank you. I knew it was called something uh, like that. With I, I rate it four point five chunkless. Uh, I really loved what. Uh, Sharla brought to the conversation, mm-hmm. especially talking about the cultural differences in discipline, um, because culturally there it's there are so many different ways to reprimand and discipline your child, and we all grew up very differently. I did grow up with a chunkla. Um, my mom was not abusive or discipline a disciplinary at all. Mm-hmm. My dad was, but um, my mom had the blue shoe. Yeah. So when she whopped out the blue shoe, we knew that like we had to do our chores. You Would know? she use it or it was more a threat? No, it was more of a threat. And then Got it just it. became a joke in the family. <laughs> so it was really, really harmless and really just more of a fun uh-huh. joke. Yeah. But then there's like these – I'm sure there are people that are like, oh, I'm clutching my pearls at the joke. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. I'm of, I'm, I think that this episode will get some controversy and conversations. And that's good. We people need will have strong opinions. We need we need people to feel uncomfortable, uh, especially what um, Charlotte was saying about all of us being in a space where we have to confront a lot of things like the layers of racism, the layers mm-hmm. of class, the way in which we were all raised and how we bring that to places when we show up. And yes. it's just being comfortable with who we are and other people, if they're not comfortable with who we are, still showing up and being ourselves and not kind of shrinking ourselves or making us, or making, at least for myself, I have to show up as me and I can't mm-hmm. shrink myself because I have the tendency to do that. So I constantly have to do that. Check and myself on that. do the work, like do the work for other people, like learn about other mm-hmm. cultures, uh, like try to unlearn, you know, the, the racism that you grew up with mm-hmm. and that's instilled in you. Like just uh, you know, do the do the fucking work. Yeah, there's there's a lot out there to learn from and to to educate yourself on. Yeah, your experience isn't universal, right? And what? people think that not it everyone is. had a tooth chain. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what your rap name is, tooth chain. <laughs> I rate it. Um, I rate it five out of five. Uh, necessary conversations. Oh, wow. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Which is the Mm. name of Mm. me and Kristen's new audio album where I just beatbox and she says soothing things into a microphone. Oh, yeah. 
uh, let me know when that comes out. I, I won't get. I won't get it, but I'll help promote it. <laughs> um, what do you rate it, Allison? Um, I rate it uh, seven out of five discomforts. Ooh. It was hard to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason we need to have that conversation is because it's hard to have it. Right. And like I felt very worried about saying the wrong thing because, you know, for me, I totally understand that there's different cultures. But I also think that within every culture are traditions and tendencies that aren't necessarily good. <laughs> and right. so for me, like I – I'm very anti any violence with raising a child. And I understand that there's a difference in terms of like what's normalized and what is like uh, what you're taught and what's culturally acceptable. But I just like, I don't think that it means we necessarily need to hold on to that forever. Oh, for sure. I had friends I, I grew up with who, if they didn't get straight A's, they would get beat. And it's like, mm, how, that's does, different. how does that instill right. discipline in the child? You know, it's just, it's very, There's, it's a very fine line. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would rather go 100% with nothing than like having to like have people play in this gray where like, you know. Yeah. I just, as a counterpoint, I just know that there is a long history of colonialism where white people come in to African or otherwise, uh, you know, Latinx communities and go, well, the way that you do things isn't right. And the way that we do things is right. So I, so we will now colonize your entire place, teach you our religion. Like there's but a I deep- would say that there's plenty of white people that hit their kids too. No, absolutely. I don't think it's like one of the tenets of being a white American is not to hit your kids. No, absolutely. But, but in terms of what Charlotte was talking about with um with uh with her family and immigrant families and i and i'm not i just want to um acknowledge that i think people will say that there is there is a history of the centering of whiteness and the centering of of white culture and mm-hmm. going into these communities and saying uh, the way that we do things is correct and the way mm-hmm. that you do things isn't correct. And I think that has led to historically a lot of violence and a lot of erasure of different cultures yeah. in different ways. I just don't want to sit here as like a white person and be like, well, everyone should do what we what we do. Yeah, we have to steer clear of blanketing prescriptions for every culture and every people. Everyone's different. And I think like to Charlotte's point, different generations change the conversation and there are, there are ways to shift the culture. It's just having somebody from the outside looking in wanting Mm -hmm. to change the culture Mm -hmm. just never really is a genuine or authentic way to approach it. Yes. It has to come from within. It has to come maybe from like, you know, Charlotte's generation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, but I also, I agree, I'm not, I don't want, I'm not like pro-hitting kids. I just think that they're like, there should be some acknowledgement of the history of that kind of thing. For sure. I think it's overall, I yeah. agree. That's all. What was the thing that you really learned? Ooh, um, I learned that I don't have to shave my vagina every day. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, you do that too? <laughs> uh, whoops. <No. laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Um, I, I actually... Maybe not necessarily learned, but um, hearing you all go back and forth talking to your younger self is a good practice and reminder to get back into the swing of um, nurturing that like younger version of you. Mm, that person's yeah. always there. Um, I think sometimes that person can hold you back or just kind of keep you stuck in certain places. And so having the time and the space to be like, hey, 
look at all you've accomplished yeah. or like mm-hmm. look at look at what you've been able to do given the circumstances. Um, it's really a nice thing to reflect on. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing I would say is is just things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You oh feel yeah, so stuck, and you feel like this is my life forever. Absolutely, mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> yep, it's not true at all. Uh, look at me. I was not doing this this time <laughs> last year. I was working at a healthcare company in a cubicle being like, oh, my God, where did I make the wrong turn? Wow. So uh, I think it's about I think the thing I would say to my younger self uh, is, Kristen, take a chance on you. What did you all learn? So much. Oh, my God. I want Charlotte to come back every week. Yeah, I learned that she <laughs> would be a better host of this podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producers are Kristen Torres and Melissa D. Montz. Our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Thank you, Charlotte Lorston, for being our guest. Stitcher.